Welcome to Refresh, a podcast designed to revive, recharge, and renew your faith and give you the tools to follow Jesus. Refresh comes to you from the Salvation Army in Gwinnett County, Georgia. We meet in person every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. or online on Facebook and YouTube at Sal Army Gwinnett. We are excited that you have joined us this week and pray that God will bring his word to life. And now for our speaker. Well, he's been born again. After regaining his sight, after being baptized and being filled with the Holy Spirit, Paul was off to the races, we read in the scripture. In fact, he didn't waste any time in sharing the good news of the gospel. He started to proclaim Christ as Messiah in the very city he was sent to oppress. As soon as he was given his sight back with his new eyes, he went straight to the Jewish synagogue there in Damascus. Straight there. Now this was a place where the old laws were observed and certainly not a place where the message of Jesus was welcomed in this house. The Pharisees of Damascus, when they saw Paul arrive, they welcomed him with open arms. They said, come in. It's so good to see you, Paul. We've heard all so much about what you've done. And they welcomed him into the worship and praised him for the work that he's been doing to eliminating the progress of the Jesus movement. They had heard that he had arrested whole houses for just speaking about the name of Jesus. They had also heard about Stephen's killing. And they praised him for staying true to the old ways. They had heard that the chief priest in Jerusalem was sending Paul there to Damascus right now to distinguish whatever movement is coming about there. And so the Pharisees are excited to see him. Brace and welcome him into their fellowship. And so one speaks up and says, Paul, we give you the floor. We can't wait to hear what you have to say. And so they, they offer him the time to speak. They're ready to support whatever he wants to do. Whatever plan you have in place, Paul, we're eager, we're ready. What do you want us to do? And so Paul then steps into the synagogue with all the Pharisees there in attendance. And he looks out to them. And he says, my brothers, I'm here today to share with you all that Jesus of Nazareth is the Christ. He is the Messiah. And they're instantly right there in the room in the synagogue. There, there was this, this gasping sound, yelling coming from all the Pharisees. One shouted out, is this, is this the saved man that we've heard about? Is this the one that they speak of from Jerusalem? This can't be him. And, he, and Paul tries to calm him down. My friends, my friends, it is true. I tell you the truth. On my way here to Damascus, he appeared to me. He appeared. Listen, it was in that moment that I did not realize that I was blind. But now I see. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. And another man right there in the synagogue shouted out, We thought you were here to arrest them all and bring them all the way back to Jerusalem and, and put them on trial 
so we can finally put this to rest. And for multiple days, Paul stayed there in the synagogue in Damascus, and he tried to convince them that he is the Messiah. He is the Christ. Brothers, hear me. Please hear me. It is true. But after multiple attempts and multiple days there, there was word that was given to Paul that some of the Pharisees were conspiring to kill him, for he had now become a threat. So when he found out, he traveled to Jerusalem. He went out the back door. And when he arrived there in Jerusalem, he went to go meet with Peter and James, the brother of Jesus. And he needed to see what is he supposed to do now with this new faith of his. He doesn't really know much about it. So he goes and approaches the disciples. And when James and Peter saw Paul walk into their presence, they were filled with fear. They were scared of him. They didn't want anything to do with him. He tried to tell them, listen, I believe I, I, he is Messiah. They didn't accept his testimony. They denied him. No, 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 no. We know what this is. This is another trick to come and, and try to destroy the church. Well, we know all about you, Paul. We know we've heard everything about you. All of us are afraid of you. We're scared of you. And Paul pleads with them. No, listen, I, I know the actions of my past. I know. But I am telling you, I have seen him. He has appeared to me. And they just wouldn't have it. They wouldn't listen. Until there was another voice in that room that spoke up. This voice from the back said, It is true. This man has seen Jesus. He appeared to him. He had to flee Damascus because, well, because he was proclaiming the name of Christ and they were trying to kill him. And that voice that spoke up in that room would later become Paul's best friend and commandant, Barnabas. Barnabas was a very well-respected disciple in the early church, and he spoke on behalf of this man. And then, only then, the rest of the disciples accepted his testimony. Okay, he vouches for you. Welcome in. And so now Paul starts to go out in Jerusalem and boldly preach the gospel. He's causing confusion among those. Wait a minute, weren't you the man? Yes, I know I was, but I'm here to tell you now, I was wrong. I was wrong. He is the Messiah. And I'm going to tell you that even the disciples who followed the Messiah were impressed by the boldness that Paul had. This was a man who has seen Jesus. There's no denying that. And Peter and Paul, the two of them, they will serve side by side in the early church. And they will bring many souls to the kingdom. But the two of these men will have a few disagreements over the years. They won't see eye to eye on everything. Especially on the topic of grace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to, to dive again into your word. To be here in each other's presence corporately, but Father, we do so to honor the name of Jesus. I pray that as we dissect and we go through uh, uh, Galatians and through this letter, that you bring clarity and never confusion. Father, I pray that you help me deliver your words to make this 
come off the page, Lord, so that when we leave here, we know exactly what it is you want us to do. And Lord, I pray that if I say anything that isn't true, that isn't gospel, then correct me now, Lord, on the spot, for I only want your words to be spoken. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, happy Mother's Day. That applies to only a portion of you. I know that. I don't know about you, but I felt like it's in my, my so when someone says happy Mother's Day, you just want to say happy Mother's Day's back and they're a guy. I don't know about you. And you realize, no, that, that's not right. But I want to say happy Mother's Day. And regardless of what, uh, what my, I, I promise you in our house, we love mothers, no matter what my daughter did. I promise. <laughs> we love moms, okay? We love them. Uh, she kind of redeemed herself there a little bit there at the end, but, but yes, we do. And I also want to just say, uh, and a great Sunday to do this is, uh, is that I have the, the privilege to say Happy Mother's Day in person to my mom, who's here from Texas. And so she just came in this week. Yes. And as a gift mom, I'm going to let you take the rest from here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> She's done that before. She's preached many times. And so, Mom, happy Mother's Day. And I'm glad you're here with us. And she's going to be here for the summer. So uh, lots of grand, uh, granny time and, and all that. I can even when she came out of the car, I can smell the Texas air coming out of it. It was, it was filled with blue, uh, blue bonnets and brisket. It was great. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Well... We're going to actually be continuing our series that we started last week. We, we started this new series, Standing on Grace, and we're going through the book of Galatians. And uh, last week, if you were with us, we focused on, well, we focused on the gospel, but not just any gospel, on the real gospel, on the real gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, there's only one gospel. That's it. That's all there is. And we spoke on how the gospel gets redrafted, altered, and even changed throughout each generation of the church. We always have to go in there and poke around and just switch it around a little bit. We want to make it say this or make it do this. But the reality is, is that fake gospel fads come and go all the time. They may have their run, they may be popular, but they never last. Because you see, the words of Jesus have stood the test of time. They will be here long after you and I aren't. For he is the gospel. Now, if you recall where we left off last week, we were going through chapter 1. And if you recall, there was a group of legalistic, messianic Jews who were called the Judaizers. I don't know if you remember them. They came into town there in Galatia, and they were kind of causing a little bit of trouble. They had gained leadership within these churches. And what they were doing is that they were trying to remove the message of grace. They were trying to remove it, take it away. And they wanted to replace it with the Old Testament law. That's what they were doing. All right, guys, we're coming in. They've worked their way up to leadership. And now we're going to, this whole grace thing that you've been really living on, we're going we're to kind of stop that. We're going to bring in this Old Testament law, and we're going to focus on that now. So they believed that, that you had to, it was, it was mandated, that you follow the Old Testament law, and you had to believe Jesus was the Son of God. You had to do both. There was no exception. 
They believed that, that Jesus could indeed save the Gentiles, but they weren't really quite ready to worship with them side by side, especially those who were not following the law. So this is what's happening right now, is that a division is taking place. There is now the Jews and the Gentiles. Wait a minute, we've heard that before, haven't we? Well, of course we have. The New Testament, all the Gospels speak about it. But you see, before Christ was here, it was always them and us. But as Christ came and died on the cross, what he did was take them and us and put them together. There's just now one under the cross. And here we are, the church leaders are going in and dividing from within the church right back to where it belongs. Here, you go over there, we go over here. Well, no, wait a minute, the cross said we're not, we don't have to do that anymore. But these guys were really sticking to it. They didn't want to worship with them because they weren't following the law. And I'm going to tell you, this didn't sit well with Paul, which is the actual cause of him writing this letter. This is why he writes Galatians. So we pick up in chapter 2. Right after Paul gave his introduction, and he gave the simple gospel. This is the gospel. This is grace. And so here at the beginning of chapter 2, he, he takes a moment and he again shares his calling, his call by God. He shares it in a story. He wants to reminisce a little bit. He's, he's called by God to preach the message of grace. That's what he wants to do. And he quickly, he, just in a few verses, he walks through his conversion story. He shares it with them. And he proves through this story that God called him to preach the message. God picked him to preach this message of the gospel, of grace. And then at the very beginning of chapter 2, he reminisces back. Here, go with me on this journey, he's basically saying. Here, I'm going to tell you this story. And he reminisces back when he first met the apostles. He's bringing us in like a fly on the wall on what that meeting looked like. Right after they just accepted his testimony, they had a meeting. He wants this church, Galatia, to know that not only was he called by God, but that his testimony, his actual testimony, had been accepted by the apostles themselves. He says right here in Galatians, he says that Barnabas stayed by my side. He vouched for me. And then he shares that once he did and they accepted the testimony, that he brought all the disciples together and they moved them into a private room and brought them to the side. And when Paul did that, he, he stood before them and said, brothers, I'm here to tell you that Christ has given me a message to preach. And he actually lays out before the disciples, before the apostles, he lays out the message. Here's what he told me to preach. And he lays it for them to review. And he shows it to them. He says, he's really big on grace. I want, he wants me to talk about this. He really wants the Gentiles as a part of the family. And so he lays out the entire gospel right there for the disciples to review. This is what he wants me to do. And then here in Galatians, he says that they reviewed it. They actually looked at it, and they all collectively agreed this is the message of the gospel. This is it. And so they approved this message. And in that room, Titus was there. Now, Titus was a, a Gentile who traveled around with Paul. And he actually spoke up in that room 
And he shared with the Jews. He said, listen, I, I don't feel compelled or, or convicted even to be circumcised. Who would? But this was the very symbol of the Jewish law. This was the thing. And he says, I don't feel convicted or compelled. Christ hasn't told me to do that. And so then he insisted, Titus insisted that instead of circumcision, that the death of Christ brought grace. He brought grace for us all. And so then Paul continues to write to this church and he tells them, he says, listen, false teachers have infiltrated the ranks of your church and they're spying on the freedom that Christ gave us. They're trying to rob you of it. They're stealing it away from you. In other words, there are those who don't believe in grace in the church. They're there. He then says here that, 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 that he writes and he turns to, to, to the audience of this letter and he writes that, that there were leaders in that private room who were not impressed with this message, who were not impressed with the message of grace. But Paul clearly states in Galatians, he writes it down for all to see. He says, God does not judge by external appearance. He doesn't judge by external appearance, by what we look like, by the color of our skin, by the thing. This is not his judging point. It's always been the character of our heart. It's always been the inside of us is what he looks at. And Paul's writing this. This is grace. And he closes this section in, in Galatians by stating, by sharing, just reminding them one last time that Peter, James, and John were to preach the gospel to the Jews. They've been appointed by God to preach to the Jews. And he tells them once again that God has appointed Paul and Barnabas to preach the message of grace to the Gentiles. And so Peter, James, and John all gave their blessing to this meeting. And, and in that spot, they officially recognized Paul as an apostle. Gave him the credit. Gave him the, the credentials, if you will. This is real. This is true. And here's the funny thing, is that when they were in that room together, all they said, they said, Paul, we, we give you the full uh, uh, power invested in me. You're an apostle now. Congratulations. But it says, when you're out traveling, when you're going around, the only thing, this is what Peter and James, this is what they add. There's only one request from us disciples while you're traveling around. Okay, what's that? They just said, remember the poor in your travels. Remember them. And then Paul said, it was something I was so eager to do. And he went off. And now future, later, this message of grace has been preached and planted through churches all throughout Asia and Asia Minor. And he shared that story. He shared this again as a reminder to Galatia to say that the message he is preaching, the message he delivered, the one that he said is grace, isn't something he made up. This isn't something he just, just thought of or sounded good. It was the gospel. It was a message that he shared with the church leaders and they gave him the blessing to preach it. And now... He writes, and now, with their blessing, now your church leaders are revoking it. They're taking it back. They're removing it. But that's not all. Oh, boy, here's where we get into the next section of Galatians. 
He's saying they're revoking it. They're taking it back, but there's a little bit more. Paul has another problem he's got to deal with first. I got, I'm going to put pause on that. I'm going to come back to that. The grace thing we're going to figure out. But I got one more problem I got to figure out. And it's this, is that it turns out that one of the disciples who were in that room, one of the men that were in the room the day that they got the blessing to go and preach the message of grace, one of them has decided to go against it, to revoke it. It was one of them. This particular leader is preaching grace. He's actually preaching it. He's sharing it. But his actions are far from it. Separation and division. You over there, me over here. My friends, this is the very definition of hypocrisy, of a hypocrite. I don't know about you, but when I hear that word in the church, it goes, oh, hypocrite, hypocrisy. It's a nasty uh, characteristic. It's saying one thing but doing another. And unfortunately, it's a characteristic that planted its roots deep in the early church. And it continues to resurface with every generation of the church, every one of them. It just pops its head back up every now and then. And then we get this an image of this identity of, oh, oh, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. And here, right now, it actually has infected the church leadership in Galatia. It, 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 it infected them in Jerusalem. And yes, it even infected the church in Antioch. It's flowing everywhere. It infected this particular church leader. It infected Peter. It was Peter. Yes, the same Peter that followed Jesus. Yes, the Peter that walked on water. The Peter that was to be the rock of the church. Yes, it was that same Peter who started to display hypocrisy to the Gentiles. He was doing it. He was saying one thing and doing another. And Paul writes, he shares that he has had to publicly confront Peter for his wrong actions. In the early church, Peter, at the very beginning, when, when the message of grace was being presented and preached, Peter was welcoming to it. He was living, he was embracing it. It says, the scripture says that, that he was welcoming the Gentiles. He would eat with them. He would teach them. He would fellowship with them with no problem or hesitation. Peter, get this, this is crazy for a Jew. Peter had even stopped adhering to the Jewish rituals himself. He had stopped doing all the rules of the law. He wasn't observing them. For Peter had found grace. He had found grace. That is, until a group of Judaizers showed up in Antioch one day. We're here. And then all of a sudden, out of fear of what they think, Peter went back to the old law. He separated himself from the Gentiles and wouldn't even allow them to eat at the same table of the Jews. Right there in the public, everyone can see what Peter was doing. It was even believed that Peter was hosting a love feast 
that he was hosting a love feast and performing communion, and he would not allow the Gentiles to partake. You can't sit at this table. You're not allowed here. Go back to your side. But wait a minute. I thought that I thought Peter was the rock of the church. I thought this was the one, the right hand of Jesus, the one that we read about. The one anointed and selected to start the church. This is true. But we can't forget that even though Peter walked on water, he sank because he took his eyes off Jesus. That his anger got the best of him when he cut the ear off of the guard in the garden. And yes, he was even the very person that denied Christ three times. Even those, my friends, even those who walk the closest with Jesus can fall short. And it hurts when it does. It hurts. This is a reminder that holiness and sanctification is a choice we make every day. Every day. It's in the smallest decisions that we make to follow Christ. It's in the ones that nobody will ever know about. But it's the ones that will shape us. This stuff really matters. It really does. Because the souls that seek Christ tomorrow can very well be depending on the choices we make today. This is the truth. So what happened to Peter here? What, did, what, did, what happened to old, old Peter, the, the rock of the church? How did we solve this? Was it solved? Well, Paul writes that he confronted him. He approached Peter. Not because he hated him, but because he loved him. And Paul went to Peter and he said, Peter, aren't you a Jew? Yes. Just checking, because you live like a Gentile. You don't practice the Jewish rituals. You, you eat unkosher foods. So tell me, how is it that you are making the Gentiles follow Jewish law when you don't yourself? And then Paul, right then, turns to the entire church of Antioch, and he says, everyone here knows, everyone knows that none of us are justified by God by simply observing the law. Only in faith in Jesus Christ can we be justified. And then Paul called out, I'm going to tell you that in this moment, you may say, geez, Paul, we're pretty rough here. Why did you call him out in public like that? I'm going to tell you why is that Paul called out this sin publicly so that it may be stripped of all of its power. So that it can just be taken away. It can't help roots or can't control where we go next. It was taken, the power was gone. Peter, you're a hypocrite. Stop it. Stop it. You know better. You know that you walked with him, yet you deny others the same privilege. You know better. Stop. But what is the actual problem that Paul is addressing here? What is the actual problem he's addressing? I want you to keep in mind that as he was talking to the church in Antioch, in that same space, in that same room, were the Judaizers, the ones causing the problem. 
They are in the same room watching everything. See, these men had a different view of righteousness. They, the Judaizers, they just could not, they just could not agree with the idea that we are made righteous or justified by simply believing in Jesus. That that was it. That was the only thing. That wasn't real enough for them. That wasn't real enough. There had to be tangible proof that you did. And to them, it was the law. If you follow the law, that's tangible proof that you are following Jesus. So do these things in their minds, in their minds, and maybe in some of ours. Why would God justify sinful people? What then is the point of being good if you can't actually have tangible rules to follow? We, to them, we can just live as we please, carefree with no consequence, simply because one believes in Jesus. This is how they saw it. You can do whatever you want. You can be as sinful as you want. You just believe in Jesus. That's all you have to do. They're painting a picture here that Jesus is turning a blind eye or, or, or even endorsing sinful lifestyles. Gosh, that sounds like we're, that we're on social media right now. That we're endorsing or turning a blind eye to sinful lifestyle. No, Paul, he immediately, right now, he quickly responds to this claim and he says, absolutely not. You're wrong. That is not grace. That is not grace. The point that Paul is making is that grace is not so that we can sin freely. But it is so that we don't die to the law and we can live in Christ. That's grace. Any time that we think that grace is so that we can do as we please and come begging home, that's not grace. That's sin. And it still has a hold of us. We can't shake it. We can't let it go. That's a different thing. It can be broken. It can be broken. It can be taken away from you. I can't, but I know who can. This is not grace. Grace is so that when we all come together and unified in the body of the church, of the Christ, that we only lean on his power, not our own. This is grace. Grace is so that through my actions, I can get there. No. There's nothing we can do to get there except through him. He's it. This is it. For Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only way to the Father. No law will get you there. No rule. No action will get you there. Only Christ. So friends, let me tell you this morning that if any of you, either in person or online, if any of you are new to the faith, keep going. Keep going. Don't slow down. Lean into him. I promise you that grace is covering you. Let's all, also let me tell you 
that church can be messy. It can be messy. We can say the wrong thing. We can do the wrong thing. We have done those things. But Christ is none of those things. He isn't. If any of you have been left out, you've been shoved to the side, or if you've been viewed as less than, or perhaps your testimony isn't being accepted, remember that that's the flesh of the church speaking, not Christ. That's not him. That's us. That's us. That's that's this doing those mistakes. You, each of you, are accepted at Christ's banquet table. He's made a place for you. It's a table that all of us are invited to sit at, to be a part of. It's a table that I won't be speaking at. I'll be listening, sitting there next to you. And let me tell you that those of us leaders in the church will fall short, will say something wrong, will do something wrong. We may even let you down. But I want you to base your faith in Christ alone, not on a leader or a person. No person, no disciples of a person, only of Christ. This is it. And when you do that, when you put your faith and you put your entire self in Christ, then, I promise then, you will see the value of the church. You'll see, even through our shortcomings, through our human flesh, you will see the value of the church. You will see it. Otherwise, otherwise Peter and Paul, they would have given up a long time ago. But there is value to what we do, to why we gather, to why we share life together. There is value in this. And when we put our faith in Christ, you'll see it. Not only that, I guarantee you'll feel it. You'll feel the value. I get it. I get it now. And I'm going to say that maybe to some of us old timers and the faith who've been in, in, in calling upon Christ for a long time, that there may be some of us right now that need to accept the testimony of one of our brothers and sisters, that we need to accept the testimony, that we need to see the new creation and not the old that we need to maybe speak up like, Bar- like Barnabas did and validate what Christ has done in their life. Now I'm going to tell you that this may not be done in public. In fact, most of the times it's not. Most of the time it isn't. But I'm going to tell you, for someone who's been in the faith for a long time, who has been a pillar of Christ, that people look upon you and say, this person knows Christ. I'm going to tell you the power is when you walk up to a new believer and say, I can see him in you now. I can see him in you. I know you're new to this, but I'm going to tell you, I can see him. You're on the right track. Validate, accept the testimony. I can see him. There is power in that. Power. 
power. So my question is this. Are you living under grace? Are you embracing God's grace? Not not to freely sin. No, no, no. His grace in his church. Are, Are you holding on to to the old ways maybe, maybe to the traditions. But maybe a really good question today is are you holding on to your old ways? Things that maybe are preventing you from going forward. Preventing you from seeing Christ in someone else. Preventing us from living in grace this morning, I asked Josh to just play something. And the altars are open. And if we want to lean in and find this grace, maybe lean in and get rid of something that's holding you back. Okay, I, want this, I want this gone from my life. I'm tired of playing with it. I'm tired of it owning me and re- wrestling with me. I'm done. Bring it up here. Get, let's, let's get it done. It can happen. Or maybe there's some of us who need to come up and say, Lord, let me, help me see Christ in others. Let me validate that. I want to, let me be your voice to your people. As Josh plays, I'm just going to open, the altar's open. Just come and actually be with the guy that I keep talking about. <laughs> let him show his strength. Amen. Thank you for listening to Refresh. Be sure to hit subscribe and like us on Facebook and YouTube to never miss an episode. If you liked what you heard, be sure to share it with your friends and family. We pray that you will be refreshed and ready to take on your week. See you next time. God bless.